content warning. This podcast contains coarse language and cheeky themes. So if you've got kids in the car, colleagues in the office, or a nonna in the kitchen, chuck some headphones in. Who the bloody hell are we? Conversations about immigration and culture in Australia with your hosts, Mel and Sonia. Hi, listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Sonia Diorio and joining me once again is my co-host, Melissa Viola. Hello. How are you going? Hey, Sonia. I'm good, thanks. I'm, um, you know, bloody tired. Back in back in real life, post-COVID life or COVID normal, as they say. COVID is not you know very what I much mean. not over. COVID um, normal has really yeah. messed me around. Um, yep. I don't think we've spoken about it before, but I've, I've gone back to nine to five work. And by gone back, I mean, yep. have started nine to five work, which is something that I haven't done for years. Um, always having muggle jobs on the side and juggling creative work. But this is the first time I've gone back to nine to five and it's yeah. knocked me around. Nine to five, people... five, five days a week? Five days a week. I do eight to 4.30 and it is Oof. messing me up. My body doesn't know how to handle it. Um, yeah, rough. Who knew? But, you know, it's good. We're um, opening up in Melbourne. We've come out of our um, lockdown. You're doing work and creative mm. stuff. I've started gigs again. Look Check out. That's so exciting. podcast notes for all the info and my Facebook, of course, for all the upcoming gigs if you're in Melbourne. Um, live comedy is back. I've done a yeah. few and haven't they feel? freaked what out they like? too much on stage. Oh, look, I've mostly remembered my jokes. Sometimes <laughs> I've been halfway through a joke and thought I should probably have given it a once over in my head before jumping on stage (laughs) after months of you know no human interaction oh my god but the crowd would have been so fucking like the crowds are up for it they would have been it's great you know we've got um restricted limited crowds at the moment so Mm. if you want to see some comedy don't delay get in there oh my god yeah Speaking of comedy, our wonderful guest today is comedian Joe White, who has performed all around the country. He's been on Australia's Got Talent and he joins us here today. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Thank you for having me, ladies. Really excited to do this. It's been no a year props. in the waiting, so excited. Well, yeah, I mentioned this podcast to you maybe a year ago when we were on a road trip together. Yes. Is that yeah. true? I'm not sure if it was yeah. on the actual road trip, but yeah. Uh, it, it was in the green room uh, and then it was well, it was on the way when I picked you up to drive there. I picked you Oh no, mm. when I came to you to drive us there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to take your credit of driving for bloody an hour. <laughs> I so drove to the gig. I, did you. I didn't even perform. <laughs> I was just driving comedians there. <laughs> <laughs> no, you performed and you, you smashed, uh, everybody smashed. And then uh, we were talking in the car uh, and we also talked on the way uh, back and in the green room. So I was excited to do it because you said a lot of great things about it. Probably had a, uh, yeah, had the idea about this podcast and then we started so nice. it up this year. But we do, yeah, because I knew you from doing some gigs together in Melbourne. Um, yeah. You were living here. However, today you are coming to us live from Perth. Yes, I uh, was fortunate enough to sneak out of Melbourne um, after the first lockdown ended and we were going into the second lockdown. So I was like, I cannot do a second (laughs) lockdown in Melbourne. right. Like six months of no gigs and then going into another six months. That's what I saw anyways. And I thought there has to be a way out. 
and I applied for that D2G or Gotta Go visa. And yep. uh, it was so strange because people leave Perth for nightlife. I had to come mm. back to Perth for <laughs> nightlife, right? <laughs> and then I applied for the visa and the, my reason was compassionate ground. My mom missed me, you know, my main carer, yep. my, my family misses me and then they declined it. Yep. And they said oh. that we needed letters from the family to prove that the above, which is me saying they miss me. Oh. <laughs> this is, this is how were your family keen to do that or were they like, yeah, my oh, cousin, you can stay in Melbourne? <laughs> my cousin hanged up on me without missing a beat. Just click, see you oh. later. <laughs> but uh, I, I managed to get back, which is amazing. Oh, that's oh. good. And it's so far it's been only positive in Perth, despite the, the only negative you've had probably is me um, waking you up very early because I didn't take into consideration the time difference. From I know, to right? I'm like, and we'll do it at hours. 11. You're like, yep. And then we're like, where's Joe? <laughs> well, if it was like, 8 a.m. Melbourne time, we would be dead to the world. So, But now we're like, hello, time's ticking. <laughs> yes, and the three-hour difference doesn't help, does it? Because it, it oh. used to be two hours, right? It's just recently right. gone to three hours. Yeah, that makes yeah sense. I was it surprised. Made it even worse. Um, yeah, how far back it is there. And is your family loving it? Is your mum loving that um, you're back home? My mum is definitely loving it, you know. Um, yeah. Like we uh, we play like uh, play play boxing. I play boxing fights with her, but I box back with kisses, you know, oh. and she has to push back. And she doesn't like the game, but I love the game. Because I just like, mm. <laughs> She's like, get away from me. That's adorable. So, yeah, it, so she's annoyed, but, uh, you know, for the first month or so, she enjoyed having me back. And now she's ready for me to go back to Melbourne. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> and Melbourne's opening up, so good timing. Yeah. Yes. I saw. Um, I saw. It was amazing. Are you doing gigs over there? Yes. You know, because a lot wow. of uh, interstate comics and international comics can't make it in, I'm getting all the, the sweet spots. <laughs> yeah, yes, sweet. <laughs> this guy's huge. You're reaping the Melbourne. benefits. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> this guy's a celebrity. I'm like, yes, yes, I am now uh, in Melbourne. <laughs> you, yeah, can't, no. you can't go there to prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, besides the fact they can um, ask someone on the internet. <laughs> well, you know what? A lot of Melbourne people are too busy trying to survive lockdown than trying yeah, to ask exactly. the questions about me. Melbourne so. people are... <laughs> Uh, yeah, you ask someone from Melbourne, what's Joe White like? And we're just like crying in the shower. So you <laughs> can't reach us. He's gotten away. That's what, that's what he's like. Um, but you, you, you mentioned your mum there. Um, must be so lovely, really lovely to um, see her after so many months. Um, I remember you uh, mentioning um, her to me and just what a strong, supportive woman, woman she was um, raising uh, you and your siblings and immigrating mm. here. Um, can you tell us about like her journey to Australia? Yeah, absolutely. So now uh, when you see her, you don't see uh, the journey that she took to get here, you know, yeah. and it's the same with me. So people will see me on stage suited up, you know, talking and having a laugh and sharing stories that make them go, huh, that was his past life? Like, holy smokes, mm. it doesn't seem like he came from that life, you know, but I guess it, it just explains uh, how well um, I've transitioned into the Australian way of life um, and, and into the community in general. And uh, like my mom, there's a bit of struggles with her, 
uh, obviously because she yeah. came at a much more uh, um, older age than myself. Um, mm. And when you come young, the younger you come, the more you are forced to, uh, I guess, tra- trans- transition quicker because you, you, you're constantly outside your house playing with your neighbor or your school mm. or you're uh, at a, you know, a neighborhood gathering with mates. And, you know, the pressure is there to talk and, and sort of uh, mingle. Um, so you mm. transition quite quickly where with the adults, they tend to deviate more so to their community. Uh, the Ethiopian yeah. community, the, the the elders who are like them, and they do traditional Ethiopian stuff. They speak uh, Amharic, which is the language um, mm. of Ethiopians speak. So it's harder for them to transition into the Australian way of life or to pick mm. up the English language a lot so mm. uh, than their, their children. So a lot of my comedy is uh, unfortunately comes uh, at the expense of me and my mom and transitioning into the Australian way of life. But it's me looking at how she's doing it, and I'm like, you're doing it so wrong. You know, <laughs> so I talk about it. I talk brutal. about it, but I help her. You know, it comes from a place of love. But you know, that's her truth and her experience. And obviously, when you're older and adult, you already have sort of found your identity more and your voice. And um, you know, I, I even compare my parents because my dad came here when he was 13, a kid, and went to school here, and then my mum was 19 year old 19 years old she got married in Italy and then came here you know bit more of an adult bit more of a like I'm starting my family life that kind of thing and there's a big difference yeah. just mm. that um you know that those teen years of um someone um like yourself I mean how old were you when you um came here 11 uh 34 11. years old now yeah yeah yeah. So you had yeah, those I sort 21. of. Yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to gonna... say, wow, you look so young, but you, none of you didn't. None <laughs> hey, of you didn't. I was going to say <laughs> 20. Oh, so you look at this face. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, I was, was going to say you. 20. So you, you. Yeah. That's even Glad more better than you. <laughs> but um, yeah, obviously, like that, the, those years are very formative and. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no um, surprise that, that there is that difference between, um, you know, younger migrants and people who have um, come here older. And, uh, you know, a lot of um, interesting things come out of it, a lot of comedy in your... Yes. um too much. Sometimes I'm like, can <laughs> you stop situation? doing things? I'm trying to eat oh, and really? you're making me work in my it's- head. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when something funny happens, your funny yeah, thing just thinking. goes ballistic, you know? It's mm, just like, oh, my God, mm, something funny mm. happened. I got to take notes. I don't want to forget. Imagine if you're eating and this comes to your head. It's not a good thing. You'd rather finish you, eating. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever think, am I in a sitcom? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> yeah. All the time. My mom is so, like, she's such a character, you know. She just mm. doesn't do anything the way you would think one would do it. And uh, her reaction as well is, like, it's insane. Like, if you watch um, one of the, the posts I made, which is when I was touring uh, North America in 2017, I was away for, like, five months. So I came back to Australia, mm. but I didn't tell my mom I was back in Perth. Um, I was opening for Maximini, so I was touring around Australia and was in Perth. And I posted, don't tell my mom in town, but I, you know, I, and I set it up with my twin sister to tell her to go and support my mate at one of the theater shows. And, yep. uh, and so I came out on stage and uh, my mom was like, ah, you see her reaction. She was yeah. literally holding her hands at her head, 
both hands on her head like someone had just died and she was just rocking back and forward screaming and I'm like, okay, you can stop now. <laughs> you know? Like, it was so cute. Just... It was it had so much energy. I watched that and I was like, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's what you want. Yeah. It was really great. I um I wanted to say, like, you know, you you make fun of your mum, you know, reacting really over the top and like um kind of not assimilating the same as you did but like she moved to this other country as a young woman with all these like rat bad kids rat bad kids <laughs> running around like yeah, she had ta- she had no time for herself to figure anything out let alone assimilate um uh, yeah. so how many siblings do you have uh six kids six kids wow. uh, so and here's the thing you know people uh would go like especially her friends um mm. when they when they um hear about my show they go yeah but why do you keep making fun of our friend i'm like it's done from a loving perspective i turn around to my mom and i go mom do you mind that i talk about you on my shows i'm not making fun you can hear the the like mom came to my show and she was crying and she's gone it's so true yeah. it's so true you know <laughs> so she, she, i've got footage of her just like constantly wiping tears while watching me tell stories about her and she goes mm. you've got my mannerism so well uh... and i go yeah because i live with you i know what you're like you know, it comes genuinely from a place of like not even love, just beyond that. You know, yeah. like I've seen my mom firsthand um, just go through some of the harshest thing a person mm. could go through, a mother could go through, and people around me were just um, like mothers around me in the same situation, but with less kids, were mm. not even experiencing what she was experiencing with mm. trying to keep six kids not just safe. Security-wise, because people were constantly trying to kidnap us, constantly trying mm. to rape and uh, you know kidnap my sisters. Um, she also had to make sure we were fed, right? And uh, there was no no way to to make an income. Um, you had to either go into prostitution or you had to beg. Those were your two options. And a lot of females were going around us were going into prostitution. Right, my mom didn't go into prostitution, and she was just begging. She's like, "We all have to beg to eat. That's what we have to do." You know, so we would we would beg. I remember this clearly. We would beg to eat. You, you know, I'd be sick. I was a sick child growing up, and she would just wrap me in her back, and she'll go, "Joe, I know you're sick, but I need you to stick your hand out, like, because people will put money in it, or people will put food or something in it, and then we get mm-hmm. to eat. You have to like help us." And I go, "Yeah, sure, mom." And I'll just go in her back, and I'll pass out. You know, and, and we would beg and we all did this, you know, for like, every day for like a period of two years or so. We would sleep mm. on the streets and uh, at night she'd stay awake, you know. People would try to uh, take us away and she'd wake up and we'd all wake up with noises, you know, screaming and fighting. And, and then we would have to just try to go back to sleep again. But she can't. She has to stay awake. Right? And then eventually what happened is she couldn't stay awake all the time. So what she did was as a former security, she bought a rope. Right? And she tied three to her left, three to her right. So if she falls asleep and someone tries to take us away, the rope mm. wakes her up and it wakes Gosh. everyone up and we fight together. We stay alive together, right? So that's how she raised us. And I saw this firsthand mm. in Sudan, because Ethiopians, but refugees from Sudan, right? So we were born in Sudan. So yeah, it's a patriarchal system, right? And, and females, it's under Sharia law we were living, right? So as a female, minimum power you have there, right? And she's Ethiopian, uh, single mom as well, so no husband in sight, six kids. You're looked, up, you're looked down upon. Not the fact that you're homeless. That's an additional 
downplay on on your end. You know, like the, the fact that you're a single female with kids, people look at you like you're the the bottom of their shoes. You know, so I saw the way she she raised this and all the stuff she went through. And uh, as an adult, you know, I've never forgotten what happened to us in Sudan. And uh, and I I look at it now and I just the laugh the the jokes. You know, it's all, it's like, can you believe that's where we come from? That is where my comedy about my mom comes from. You know, it's not, I, I, I use, if you come to my shows, right, I will tell you straight up, in between the banter or the jokes about me and my mom transitioning, I would have a minute of your time to tell you about that rope story and what she did to keep us alive. Mm. And she gets applause breaks when she comes to my shows, you know? So... People go, don't make fun of it. I'm like, you have no idea where it comes from. Mom does. And mm. so when I ask, I'm like, do you want me to? She goes, I'm, do I, go, I asked her, should I stop making fun of you? And she goes, you could do whatever you want. You are my son. You know? <sighs> like, I support everything that you do. Well, you can see it in the way that you speak about her, that there's just so much yeah. love and respect there. And I mean, the best way as a comedian that you can express that is by including her in, a, in your sets. And it's it's great that she also appreciates that you can do that and it's it's awesome that she loves that you're doing it you know like she risked her life and worked so hard to get you here and you're doing everything that you dream of so like obviously the respect goes both ways and that's really gorgeous it's really important thank you thank you yeah look she's uh she's very uh she's very strong you know her faith is the center of her world um, although I tease her about it sometimes, it's like I have to understand, <laughs> you know, one day when we had nothing, that's yeah. all we had and that's all mm. she had that helped her be strong enough to get us through the mess that we were in Sudan to mm. come to Australia, you know. And and uh, if I share this story with you about my mom and, and I share this story with everyone and bear with me here, right, but um, in order for her to make money to feed us, what she had to do was buy like a little a little stool like it's so tiny um and sell tea from it right and my mom for whatever reason obviously her tea was so good she used to make the best tea in that little market and she was known as that habesha lady which is what you call ethiopians eritreans habesha in sudan Um, so she was known as the habesha lady with six kids who's homeless but it's just very loving and caring and uh, sells tea to feed her kids and she'll get crumbs from what, and sometimes people won't have anything to pay her and they'll just, mm. they love the tea and they'll go, can mm. I have a tea? And she'll go, yeah, sure. Why not have some? It's okay. Next time, if you do have, you can pay. But if you don't, it's also okay. You sit down, I'll make you some. And she used to just sell teas where she can. And sometimes she used to give it for free. Um, and, and she's a big believer, you know, where you give, it comes back to you. So what happened was there was this one guy who constantly kept coming Every day for like a bloody year, and she would just give him free tea. And he was just, he was just a regular customer, right? But he wasn't paying. It was just free because he didn't have money. He was homeless himself. Um, and then what happened was me and my older brother, we were playing on the streets of Sudan. And Sudan at the time had like random civil wars breaking out here and there, right? So the army would come onto the streets and they would scoop up kids and they would take them to uh, the front line and give them guns and send them into you become child soldier pretty much. That was what uh, they were doing at the time. So me and my older brother are playing outside. We see the truck coming and we, we ran, right? I hid and my brother hid, but I couldn't, he wasn't where he was supposed to be. 
So I ran home and I told my mom, oh, the truck took uh, my, my older brother, Amara. And she goes, what do you mean the truck took him? I'm like, the, the army, they came through. We both ran and they took him. And then we, we both started crying. And then two hours later, he walks in through the door and, she, and he was crying. And then she goes, what happened? He goes, mom, I was in the back of the truck. And this guy said, you look like this hubbish lady in the market that sells tea. Do you know her? And he goes, yeah, that's my mom. And he goes, okay, you need to let this guy uh, jump out. So he jumped out and he goes, go home to your mom. And he came home and it was the same guy that she was giving free to for a whole year that was in the back Whoa. of the truck as one of their uh, their soldiers or their, their generals. Um, so what goes around comes around. That's uh, that's what she teaches me. Oh, my gosh. That's Jesus. such an incredible yeah. story. Otherwise, my brother would be long gone that's, by now. <laughs> that's something you would see in a film and think, is that real? Like, you know, just that yeah. that turn of events. That's incredible. And, you know, to be able to, many people have said this, but to give when you have a lot, that's one thing, but to give freely when you have nothing, that really mm. shows your character and your strength. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. yeah, what an amazing lady. And now very you lovely. make fun of her at your shows. Funny, you feel you lovely. should feel bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now it's, she's got this, this kid. <laughs> if, I just, if I told that story at the show, right, everyone will just start crying. And if I just kept doing more of the stories that actually the way it happened and yeah. what happened, the, the show will not be a comedy yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. But I mean... So I'm like, how do I tell her story with a bit of punchline? Yeah, and, yeah. and so for you, it's, I guess, a combination, the combination of um, the humour and the jokes and the storytelling and telling um, about your background, um, which is a... Yeah, comedy... It, yeah, it's a tool that I use to explore my trauma, you know, and mm. uh, I do it in a way that's less painful. Otherwise, I'll start crying while talking about it, let's be honest. Mm. But um, that, yeah. is, uh, that is uh, it's really important, those kind of shows, to be able to um, get people to laugh but then also to share these very important stories and from very um, different perspectives and unique perspectives perspective that so many of us would have absolutely no um no experience of i think it's really important Mm. for people to see that yeah yeah look i um uh you know and and it's like i could see it in the audience face as well when i talk about Mm. it like even though there's no punchline yet i'm just setting it up but when i set it up i set it up with truth Mm. you know and then they're like, is, where is this going? This is too, is this true? This is horrendous, you know? And, and you could see their level of engagement where they're just looking at me like, oh my God, I can't believe this is true. Is this true? And they're so engaged. And I go, yeah, it's true. But then I give them the, the punchline, mm-hmm. you know, which is not true. Everything yeah. else is true, but the punchline yeah. is not true. So it makes it funny, right? But I, I, I took them through that motion, right, of uh, connecting with me hitting their, pulling the strings on their heart and then making them laugh. Mm. Do people ask you if your stories are true? Like after the show? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, 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 100%. I go, yeah, they're true to a certain degree. You know, they're 90% true, 10%. Mm. uh, The punchline is not true. Mm. Um, You know, I talk about, 
uh, when we went to, because the first language we spoke was Arabic. Um, and so in Arabic, kiss means uh, plastic bag. In English, obviously, kiss means kiss, right? So when I took my mum generally to an Asian grocery store and she bought everything and she does this thing where she will try her best to speak English, but then the keyword would be in Arabic. So she's like, I buy, please, I have kiss. You yeah. know? And the person is like looking at her like, what? And she's like, yeah, kiss, give me kiss. <laughs> and then I'm just like, oh my God, you didn't, you know, you didn't. And I go, man, I'm so sorry. What she means is plastic bag. In our language, oh. kiss means plastic bag yeah. but then in in the comedy you know I, it goes back and forth for so long like no i'm not gonna give you a kiss it's like yeah i want a kiss i bought everything i want a kiss it's like no i'm not gonna give you a kiss i'm gonna call my wife why she come here she wants a kiss like, you want a kiss from him like why do you want a kiss from him you know she's like yeah, i don't want to give her a kiss <laughs> and she's like someone give me a kiss <laughs> oh my gosh and so that's that's where like so the the fact that the whole interaction took place is the 10 percent punchline but her actually buying stuff and then asking the man to give her a kiss is true. Yeah. yeah. And then she'll walk away like, oh, my God, are you serious? I said that. I'm like, yeah, you said that. <laughs> you're a circulating. You're not supposed to be randomly asking for kisses. <laughs> you're, you're a sex pest. You're walking around paying for yeah. kisses. <laughs> I have kissed everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask you... Um, if you're cool talking about it, about uh, your name, because this is something that you've mentioned on stage too, that Joe White is not your real name and um, no. that you changed it. Did you um, change that for comedy purposes? Did you come up with this stage? Well, one? you know, there's, yeah, there's many obviously different assumptions. It depends who you are. Mm. If you ask a lot of my uh, African mm. followers, they'll be like, ah, he's just trying to be yep. white. <laughs> well, you, and I'm like, that's not how it works. But okay. Well, you did choose the name white. Um, so <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So if you ask, you know, and, and I don't get upset. I never mm -hmm. go, oh, why are you saying that? You yeah. know, everyone always, you have, you know, the right to your opinion. Mm. Um, I have the right to my opinion. You know, um, I'm in control of my emotions and my feelings. You're in control of your emotions and your yeah. feelings, right? So if if someone comes to me with that, like, oh, you're just trying to be white, like, I'll just laugh it off. But if they go, if they stand there and they go, why did you say your name was Joe White? You're just trying to be white, yeah? And then I, and I, and I quickly assess their mental maturity, if, if they're ready to have the conversation with me or not. Right. Mm. And if they are, then I go, oh, I can explain, you know, and then I go into the details of how we came to uh, Joe White. And if their mental maturity is, is not quite there and they're not ready for the conversation, they're just there to make a statement and uh, be upset uh, mm. because it's in line with their agenda, then um, it is what it is. Like, I, I don't get caught up in mm. that. I just go, no, nah, it's cool, man. So, yeah, if you don't like it, you don't like it. It's just, I thought it was funny. That's why. And I'll just walk away. Right. Um, but the truth is, so Talahun is my Ethiopian mm. name. That's my birth name, uh, T-I-L-A-H-U-N. But it's pronounced with a Talahun, right? So um, in school, I went to a rough school here, uh, Girwin High School, they call it. Um, and I used to play soccer for the youth group in, in, in Perth, uh, where I grew up. And coming from Sudan, all we did was play mm. soccer, right? So me and my brother, we were good at it. And, uh, and and we were we went throughout our whole life in Australia. We were just the tokens, all right, throughout our whole life. So uh, we, we're used to being stared at when we go into a room. 
uh, we're used to people going, oh, so where are you guys from? Yeah. Right? Uh, we're used to people looking at us and just wondering, do they speak English? Right? Yeah. Because we were quiet because yeah. we were like, holy shit, this environment is so different mm. to where we come from. So for like a massive period of my life, I was just in my head. You know, it's only at 29 I started doing comedy like five years ago. But prior to that, I was just like in my head, quiet, just Shy, like, thank you, sir, yeah, hello, yeah. sir, you know. It's yeah. only between my close friends and circles where I bantered with everyone. So this youth group, when I was like uh, maybe 15 years old, you know, we were playing soccer and I kept getting the ball and they couldn't pronounce my name. They're like, what is your name? We can't pronounce it. And I said, Talahun. And then they go, what? Like, I can't pronounce mm. that. Can I call you Michael? Oh I'm like, God. no, no, Michael, no, Michael. <laughs> that was my English at the time. No, Michael, yeah. no, Michael. Yeah. Uh, no offense to anyone called Michael, obviously, but I had a friend <laughs> called Michael <laughs> and he was a dodgy friend. So I'm like, no, Michael. Oh no, Michael. <laughs> he was probably was. always like, no, it Michael, was. no, John, no, Jeff, no, <laughs> no, Peter, no. <laughs> And then someone goes, what about Joe? And then at the time, I was listening to, I don't know if you remember the R&B singer, Joe? Yeah. I don't know if you remember. It, it's, it's amazing how you knock me off my seat. Something like this. Very, uh, very swag. Uh, <laughs> Mel's <R&B>. too young. <laughs> cool. um, yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm showing my age. Ah, damn it, I knew you guys were we'll young. Play. I just had no, a No, I'm not. <laughs> you look... But she no, it's, it's just uh, me. I, um, I'm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so Joy was like uh, an amazing... I was like just in love with his whole like yeah. swagger and his his coolness, you know, and I wanted to sort of exude a bit of his uh, his swagger. So I was like, yeah, call me Joe. Yeah, Joe, Joe is good, Joe. So they called me Joe. And then when I went to Giro in high school, and this girl just looked really aggressive and she was the first person to come up to me. She goes, what's your name? I was like, Joe. Okay. <laughs> She's like, all right, Joe, it is. And she just left me and I was like, oh, thank God, I'm not going to get bullied, you know? <laughs> and when I went to Girawin, I was the only African there beside my sister and one other person uh, two years above me. So in a whole school of Girawin. Mm. So saying your name is Talahun to me, was I associated it with people not being able to pronounce it and me being targeted for bullying. And it was a rough school, man. Yeah. Gruen was a rough yeah. fight. You know, there was people, like, uh, it was known that people would sell drugs. Um, and it was just, like, teachers would get in trouble with the students, not the other way mm. around. Right? It's just full on, man. And so mm. I didn't, I was like, how do I survive this? Yeah. You know, survival, like, most of my life, it's just survival, like, just putting methods in place to survive. And that was one way by saying my name was Joe, it sort of helped me uh, survive high school. It, it just survived my life in Australia until I was man enough to sort of um, like not care anymore, you know. Um, but Joe is close to my heart because I went through that period and everyone's like, hey, that's Joe. Yeah, that's Joe. That's Joe. That's Joe. And then uh, at when they called my house and they're like, can we speak to Joe? Remember the landline? Again, Mel, you won't remember this. But <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I'm not that young. <laughs> oh, you're not that young? My okay. parents still actually have uh, a landline. It blows oh, my mind. Did. Oh, bless yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They would call my house and they'd be like, uh, not your parents, but people. And they'd be like, is Joe there? And my mom would be like, who's Joe? You know, no, wrong number. And she would hang up. <laughs> is Joe there? Wrong number. And she's like, people keep saying, who's Joe? You know? And and my sister, who's at school mm. with me, my twin sister, she goes, oh, that's Talahun. And my mom, oh. she's like, yo, change your name. And she started belting me for changing my name. Oh. And I was just like, I'm so sorry, mom. 
So Joe was throughout the whole high school. Um, and then when I went into work, right, and I'm working in, in you know, in, in Australia, again, everywhere I, went, I worked, I went to mostly 90% of the time I was the only mm. black guy there. So the name Joe, again, helped me sort of like um, adapt into my community, whatever that community, may, maybe at work, maybe at school, maybe day-to-day life, maybe even out and about. So just having the name Joe uh, as a nickname helped me uh, with my transitioning process. Yeah. Um, but people can call me Tlahun, you know. I give them that option. That's how, so that's where Joe came about. And then at 29, when I started doing mm. comedy, I, I was going up as Joe Halu. And uh, I was like, well, Kanye West is Kanye West, right? That's not his real name. Yeah. A lot of my favorite rappers, I'm like, that's not their yeah. real name. I want to have a cool yeah. name. And then I said, what about Joe Black? Because that's what they also used to call me at high school. And I'm black, right? So I was like, Joe Black would be cool and funny, right? Um, and then my friend goes, no, nah, go to the opposite. Be Joe White. <laughs> that's funny. And I was like, yeah, all right, I'll do that. And then I went up as Joe White. And I used to do bits about not being Joe White, right? Not being white. And... In the beginning, my comedy obviously was, yes, Mel, it was that hacky, (laughs) but, but, you know, I just wanted to be funny straight away. Yeah. I wasn't there to teach. I I was just there to be funny. I wanted to make people laugh. I wanted to impact and I wanted to do it as quick as, as soon as I got on stage. Sometimes that even talking, I want it to be funny. I'm like, that's what I want to do. So when they say Joe White and I walk up on stage, I just go, ta-da, right? And that used to get, that used to get laughs. And I used to do more on it. And no one cared. Everyone just thought it was funny. Yeah. And then as the brand grew, that's where the questions came in. Yeah, right. What I want to do is work with it, right, and do my best to get ahead so that I'm able to make the changes that I believe need to be made so the next Ethiopian kid that comes through with a name like Gebra Haile, Gebra Meskel mm-hmm. and all that stuff, he doesn't have to change his name to a European yeah. name. Yeah, Right? So I want to use the name Joe White and I want to make the changes that I believe I, I, I need to make or can make. And I've already started making some changes here and there with my... So if you look at my track record, we've already created the show Best of Africa. Mm. We've already, you know, already find, uh, mentor, train uh, non-African uh, uh, non-comics of African background and train them to be comedians. Mm. And some of them have gone on to win war in WA mm. and be flown to Melbourne. Oh. Some of them have gone on to do the Perth Fringe Festival you know, Best of Africa, a show which I created and produced, uh, showcases African talents Australia-wide. Two years in a row, it won Best Comedy at the Fringe World Festival, mm. uh, weekly award alongside people like Tom Gleason, right? So, um, and that all comes from every single move that I've been making. And mm. Joe White, the name Joe White is a huge part of every single move I've been making. Yeah. Right, so yeah. I have no shame in the name Joe White. I, externally, yes, I'm Joe White. Internally, I'm Clarkson yes. Hayley, who's making this move, and he's born yeah. into a system that's already been designed to operate the way it's operate. We're not going to change it. Come on. Mm. Well, um, firstly, I want to say that my dad 
has a very Italian name that Australian white Australians can't pronounce, Luciano. Uh, well, it's not that hard, but it, when sometimes when they read it, it's Luciano, but his name is Luciano. And Luciano. the same thing with the landline. If you picked up the landline and someone was like, is Luciano Viola there? Oh, You'd be like, who the fuck is this? And you oh, would God. know that it was like not someone we knew and you just lie and be like, oh, he's not nearby. Um, so, yeah, the landline thing seems to be a real problem with names. Um, I was going to say on this idea of you mentoring and helping out kids and, and young people find their way into comedy, you also have um, really awesome strides as an ambassador for certain charities. Um, and I know that you've raised money through ticket sales and, and just general work with these charities. Um, do you want to tell us about that and like kind of the work that you've been doing? Because I've got down here that you've got um, the Katina Woodruff Foundation and White Ribbon and Multicultural Arts Victoria. Like, yeah, how do you find um, work working with these organizations and, and the work that you're doing with them? Yeah, amazing, amazing. Look, I um, one thing I love is working with not-for-profit foundations that support single moms and kids. Mm. Um, and, and it's not because I have any beef with anything else. It's just that that's what my heart yeah. connects with because, you know, I saw my single moms struggling and I wished as kids there was, you know, there was someone that, that helped us. And, uh, and there was, there was people that helped us. That's how I was able to come to Australia, you know. So many, uh, there's people in Sudan that helped us. And I'm like, I remember them. And I try to send them money. I try to find them, you know. And they're like, holy shit, it's that kid that we fed in the back of the mm. church who was hungry. I'm like, yeah, I don't forget, you know. So I, I, I try working with, uh, I, I tried working and donating to not-for-profit foundations that really connect with my heart. And that mm. is how I give my uh, comedy a purpose. Mm. So what gives my comedy a purpose, what makes me come back to do it again and again and again, uh, what makes me sleep at night is the fact that I know the don we're making donations to causes you know close to our heart, but I'm also using the platform to share my mom's story because my mom is an amazing woman. She's done so much. She's gone through so much. She's never bailed um, when she should have, when she could have, when others did. She stuck it out, still continues to give uh, now, right? And uh, she deserves her story to get out. And I use my platform to share her story, right? People might go, oh, all he does is talk about his mom. He's not even doing jokes. I'm like, this is why I do my comedy. I, I'm not just doing my mm. comedy to make you laugh and talk about my Tinder experiences. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this comedy <laughs> to, to share stories about my mom and to use it, to use the funds from ticket sales, part proceeds, to give to causes close to our heart, right? So the Katina Woodruff Children's Foundation, um, She's an, a children's anthropologist and she's worked in Africa for many years um, and she's based in Perth. And what she does is families who moved from uh, places like not just Africa, but from India, China, um, just everywhere worldwide who moved to Australia, right? She helps them, the family, uh, transition into the Australian way uh, of life, into the community through uh, working and connecting with the school with the community, with the child's parents, right? And uh, just some key members in the community. So she does that through, uh, obviously, uh, she has her methods of doing it. I'm not an anthropologist, so I'm mm. not gonna try to go into detail, but she's an amazing woman. I've met her, she does amazing things. And I just love her vibe, her energy, and uh, the fact that she, this is her life, helping children yeah. and their families. And I wish when I first moved to Australia that I had someone like mm. that. It sounds incredible. incredible. Um, 
I want to ask you about the Best of Africa shows. Um, are they something that have, have you performed them around Australia or it just in Perth? Perth and Melbourne. Perth and Melbourne, and We did yep, the yep. Collingwood Town Hall in Melbourne. Yep. Yeah, it was amazing. Cool. Great turnout, well in demand. Yeah. You know? And a lot of people in the beginning didn't think it would work. You know, there's not how many African shows do you know around town in, in the actual Fringe Festival or Melbourne yeah. International Comedy Festival. Um, showcases, none. However, I do see the best of Asia. I do see the best of British. Mm. I do mm. see um, a lot of shows, but none of like showcasing African talent. And as an African comedian, I wanted to be on those showcases. I'm like, how do I get on African showcases? There are none. So I'm like, okay, do we not have African talent? We do. Yeah. Um, well, it's just a lot of the time, just like, again, my, just like in my shoes, people like African kids, I grew up with African kids mainly in yep. my community. And they're so funny. A lot of them, their, their, their comedic skills is impeccable. It's just like rough diamonds, yeah. right? But they don't see an African person doing stand up comedy. They just see Kevin Hart or they see, you know, Chris Tucker and they go, I can't be that. It's like, yeah, but they all started somewhere. Yeah. But they need mm. to see someone in that in in a, a like a a stage that they can get to, yep. or someone that they can speak to, uh, someone that's accessible, and that's what I didn't have. So I had to go around the hard way, the long way, to find out how to do comedy, and if it is something I was I'm supposed to be doing. And so once I I became uh, I started doing it, and I knew what the issues were and what I wanted to see, where I wanted to see changes. That's where I went to make the changes myself. So I put on the show Best of Africa, but also sourced out, you know, people, African, young African uh, men that I thought were funny. And I spoke to them about comedy. I, sh I took them with me to rooms. Mm. I performed. I showed them the reception of how people receive our style of comedy. And I said, you could do that. And they're like, no, nah, it's not for me. And then they'll see it again and again. They go, all right, I want to I want to do yeah. it. You know? And I go, yeah, I can train you. And then I'll get them up and they'll do it. And as you know, Sonia, when you first do your first set, it's like, you know, amazing feeling. You get hooked. So, yeah, a lot of them hooked on comedy and they perform on Best of Africa, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's not a surprise that it is successful because you have people from um, African countries who live in Melbourne and who live in Perth and that community exists but you don't have any shows that um, have African comedians but if there's the if the community's there then um who wouldn't want to you know enjoy comedy and see themselves represented mm, definitely and the community is there and if you look at the crowd especially in melbourne yeah. right 300 plus yeah. people at collingwood town yep. hall yeah and uh, the energy was amazing you know the banter was there the crowd work was there and you know when african people laugh man they get up from their chair <laughs> they like smack the person next to them and they're like banging yeah. on their thighs and they're holding their head. And they're like, that is so funny, you know? So they're very expressive. But also the shows are not just catered for African yeah. people. The shows are showcasing African talent, but it's done in English. Yeah. The jokes are funny. Yeah. It's catered to, mm. uh, you know, people from Africa. It's catered to the communities that are not of African uh, background, but want to enjoy African yeah. talent. You know, want to see comedy, ethnic comedy or comedy delivered from that side. And and mm. a lot of them come out and, and it's, it's just fun. The energy is amazing. To go from what you've described to now doing comedy about the experiences is, is such a world away from where 
it all began, but it's been so lovely to hear about it. Thank you so much for joining us. Really Thank appreciate it. Thank you so it. much for having me. I had so no much fun props. talking to you too. Yeah, sorry to get you up early on Perth time. <laughs> That's all right. I'll just want answer next time. Um, but we'll uh, <laughs> we'll talk to you again. Where can people find info on your upcoming gigs and more? Best way to find me and the quickest way is to just yeah. go to my website. So www.joewhitecomedian.com and then there's mm-hmm. information, hyperlinks, everything to all my socials. And yeah, I do uh, weekly Instagram giveaways in case you guys wanted to. Ooh, that sounds good. Cool. Yeah, yeah, Very yeah. Good. Highly recommend checking that out. As I said, live mm. comedy is back in Melbourne, so I'll be performing <laughs> around the town. You can check the links in the show notes for more details. Check me out on Instagram and Facebook. I'll be posting um, specific details about all the gigs. Thank you so much for listening. We are on Patreon, so if you want to help us keep creating more great episodes with more great guests. Um, You can donate a few dollars a month and you will get a bonus episode. You'll get a shout out on the show and you'll get our fortnightly newsletter. So please do. And if you're enjoying the podcast and know of other people who you think would also dig it, please recommend and help us grow. Thank you so much and goodbye. Bye. See you guys. Thanks for listening to Who the Bloody Hell Are We? If you like what you're hearing, subscribe, rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. Audio production and original music is by Andre Christodoulou. Search for us on Facebook for more information about our guests, fun content and to keep the conversation going. Hold up. 